0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Hello, and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with booking agent and music publisher, Phil Simpson. I'm on a mission to help you unlock your creativity. I'm sharing my journey as a musician, actor and writer, as well as offering online content like guitar and songwriting tutorials and chat about creativity. I'm doing this because I know how important creativity is for mental health, and I believe everyone has a creative spirit. I want to help you find yours. Join me at robertlaymusic.co.uk and on social media as Robert Lane Music. Thank you. Hi Phil, how are you? Hey Robert,
1: I'm very good, thank you. It's nice to uh, nice to be talking with you today.
0: Yes, talking to people seems like I don't know about you. Maybe you got loads of meetings and stuff, but it's sort of it's quite exciting to have someone to plan your day around at the moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems to go through phases for me. Some days it's like really quiet, and then other days it's like Zoom day, and it's like bang, bang, bang. You know. Uh, but no, it's nice to, uh, to 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 get outside of your office bubble and and uh, enjoy a conversation face to face in the, in the in the loosest sense of the word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how are you set up at home? Have you got a, a specific space that's set up just for work stuff, or how do you do that?
1: Yes, I've got a spare um, a spare bedroom, uh, which is uh, it makes a good office. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking to have a, a bit of a spare space. I share it with my wife, but we can uh, we can we can manage it quite well between us really.
0: And have you found it a fairly easy, maybe it wasn't a transition, maybe you worked a lot from home sort of in the more normal times as well, I guess. But how has it been this yeah, year?
1: Of, yeah, I, I work very well from home, to be honest. Um, I used to go into an office, um, I don't know, three days a week maybe, but I'm much more productive from home. I can work to my own schedule. I can limit distractions. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite disciplined and I'm, I'm quite. I, I get on with things quite well
0: that's it and i think that sort of time management is what makes a big difference i know you know from the people i know it's probably half and half the split between people who absolutely love it and they love the fact they can nip down for a cup of coffee when they fancy and then other people who just can't bear it they need other people around them they need the discipline of being in a place
1: Yep, yep. no i think that's completely right i do think there are trade-offs however in that the the boundaries become a bit more blurred and i find it very easy to Switch off, and then five minutes later I'm downstairs on my phone uh, because an email's come in that i i, I need to apply to or or a call comes in and you know I think yeah, it comes at a bit of a a bit of a cost in that you, you don't quite so much have the boundaries
0: and is a lot of that work at the moment then to do with the setting up of first original music?
1: a lot of it is that um and a lot of it is also uh setting up uh, a new booking agency. Uh, that I'm also working on. I'm quite busy at the moment, actually, in, in many ways. Um, I'm, I'm setting up um, a new independent booking agency uh, because I'm in the middle of uh, departing from my current one. Uh, just just a, a personal circumstance, really. Just want to spend a bit more time at home with the family kind of thing and and uh, sort of minimise what I do, really, and trim my overhead. I think we've all learned a lot from the pandemic. And I think, uh, you know, being a bit more agile and Having a less of an overhead, I think, is a strong, a strong aptitude, really.
0: Great. I wonder then if you could give us a bit of a kind of potted history, a bit of a roundup of what's led you to to this position then, and having worked.
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been in industry uh, over ten years. Um, I'm a musician myself. I play mainly for fun um, with a bit of irony. I've been playing a lot of gigs through lockdown um, (laughs) with a couple of bands that I play in. Um, just to uh, just to earn a bit of money and 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 have some social interaction. Um, of course, that's long since stopped. But um, right in the in midst of rescheduling tour after tour and not being able to do any proper gigs, I was I was up sort of out most weekends um, playing uh, folk songs in pubs, which was uh, it was a, it was a bit strange. Um, but but anyway, I, I went to university and and funded my my studies through playing music, basically. Um, and I, I have a degree in um, music technology. I thought I wanted to be a sound engineer and a producer, uh, and it was being at uni and doing that that made me realise that's the last thing on earth I wanted to do. Um, and actually, I'm more about the live show. Mm. Uh, and I started putting on gigs um, and losing money, <laughs> and uh, but having a great time and learning something about it every single time. Um, I then sort of... Understood a bit more about the industry and realised that there was always a middleman between me and the artist. Yeah, I thought they've got a good job because they're not risking all this money and they're coordinating the actual whole tour. You know, they're they're the ones sort of with a vision and a strategy and they're making this happen. I want to do that, so I spent a lot of time doing research and meeting people and I did some volunteering at festivals, things like that, and I got to know a few people. Um, and ultimately, I that led to me getting some work experience uh, at a, a small agency up in, up in the North called Adastra. Astra. Um, I subsequently got a job with them and which I did for heck, four years, maybe three years. Um, I then went off on my own and started my own agency called Regent Music. Mm. Um, after three years, I merged that with another agency. Um, it was still Regent Music, but I brought someone in and, and his roster of artists and, um, I think it was about four years and then I, I relocated to, to East Yorkshire where I live now um, and I ended up merging the agency with my old employer and we created Strata Music um, and sort of five years down the line I say everything has changed so much with the pandemic um, and I've recently uh, had a family and everything and I, yeah I just made the decision to to just go back to being just me um uh, being say lean and agile and and just uh, just trim what I do a bit and and try and enjoy things that a lot of us have learned a lot about during this pandemic, such as family um, and other things in life. Um, so uh, I, I've been very much, very much, uh, yeah, with a, a focus on that. But also in the last uh, couple of months, I, I, I've been thinking about diversifying what I do because I'm not one to sit still. I, I'd like to be ahead of the game rather than sort of react to, to problems, you know. So yeah. Um, One of my great interests of this business is songwriting, Mm. which comes back to me being a a bit of a hobbyist, musician and songwriter myself. But I've always found it fascinating that songs can have new leases of life again and again and again. And and of course, behind every good songwriter, traditionally, there was always a publisher who got these songs out there um, and they created value um, year after year for these great songs. And so I thought, yeah, there's no live gigs at the moment. I'm not going to be making a, a decent income from my agency for a long time. Um, and this is something I've always wanted to do. And I, I nearly did this five years ago. But I thought, no, nope, now's the time I'm going to just go for it. And uh, I've started First Original Music Publishing, um, which I'm just going to grow sort of slowly, um, organically with just some nice writers um, and just sort of run it side by side with the agency, really.
0: Great. So would the intention be to be working with the same artists in both avenues or do you foresee it being a, a different a different offer?
1: I, I see it being very different, very separate. Um, not that there's a conflict of interest, but I, I think it might seem a bit strange from either party if if there was one person doing maybe too much of an artist's career, a bit like a 360 deal, I guess, which works for some artists and some artists it doesn't work for. So I wouldn't rule it out, but my aim is to try and keep it very separate. Uh, generally
0: okay great i'd love to talk about the publishing and that that side of things but before we move off from the the sort of your experience with um being an agent then i'm just curious having gone from one man operation to a bigger company back to one man operation again what are the differences and sort of the advantages of being in a a larger team or not and having i guess as well a bigger roster of artists that you're working with potentially
1: yeah i mean my 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 time with Strada music uh, has been amazing and it's something that I'll always be hugely proud of and you know we we had an amazing team and we had an amazing roster and it felt right at the time it was very much this makes so much sense because we're just we're just a bunch of mates really who are doing this on our own anyway let's come together let's share costs let's share resources um let's use our our co- combined efforts to to create something excellent um and i think Yeah, it it works really well. But I think you see see in the agency business and in in any business, actually, you see uh, patterns of people come together and they consolidate and then something happens. And then people tend to sort of go back down to sort of a lower level. I think we're seeing that now, (coughs) excuse me, as a result of the pandemic. Um, So I think, you know, one of the, the, the big attractions for me as being part of that team was the teamwork and spending time with people and working with people, whereas before it was just me. Being part of something and feeling part of something, I think, was really, really nice. Um, and we we sort of gained a bit of extra clout, if you will. You know, when there's when there's five of us all working under the same name, we we suddenly had a bit of an uplifted profile. Yeah, I think that's done us all a lot of good. Uh, but I think on the flip side as well, you know, I'm I'm a people person. I love sort of staff training, staff management, and none of that phased me in the slightest. I found it very rewarding. Um, I consider myself to be a fairly strong leader in many ways. Um, But I say on the flip side, you spend a lot of time doing things that aren't directly related to bringing in income. Got it. Um, So I think, again, having a family changes things for you, and everyone says that, and it it certainly did for me. And I I just thought, well, you know, I could probably work an awful lot less um, and earn almost the same wage, basically. Um, and to me, that was a bit of a no-brainer, um and especially in the context of the pandemic. You know, it's been a, such a stress worrying about my own salary, mm-hmm. let alone the sta- the salaries of my staff. um And it just, it just feels feels the right time, I think. Um, and we're seeing this across the board in the industry. There's promoters that have factioned off into smaller groups, independent promoters. Same with the agencies, a so lot of the bigger agencies, as a, re- as a result of redundancies,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we're seeing smaller. Um, things popping up and we'll continue to do so I think for the next year or so before this settles down.
0: Something that interests me about this last 12 months mm. is the fact that in so many things but particularly in this line of work it feels as if it hasn't really created many new problems there were things that already existed and issues that are already there it's just highlighted them incredibly so the difficulties of yeah. booking live shows and of getting people out to gigs and all and just how many people there are out there doing this stuff um and then having this level playing field where nobody can gig i think it's just highlighted that a little bit do you think that there's a potential that we're going to come out of it with a a stronger setup and a stronger industry that just does things a bit better
1: i would really like to think so and i believe that will be the case definitely i think it's made a lot of people i think it's shocked a lot of people into looking at what they do Mm. really internally you know as an agent i've always said you shouldn't be relying on your live shows to have a career in music. And I'm an agent saying that, you know, I make my living from, from tours. Um, but it's been the artists that have had their their records, their publishing, their merchandise, all the other important parts of their business. They're the ones that have got through this and, mm-hmm. and, and, and have, have learned the most from it. But it's the ones that haven't really spent too much time developing all those other areas and they've just been taught touring, 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 on the road all the time. Um, They're the ones that have really, really been hit by it. So I think it's been a real learning experience for for many artists in terms of how do I run my business? I think it's also done us a lot of favours in technology. Um, You know, who knew what Zoom was, really? We we, we did the odd video call, but nothing really compared to what we do now, right? Um, We've also learnt about live streams, and we've seen the amazing benefits that they can bring to an artist's profile. Uh, we've probably saved the planet by tra- not having to travel everywhere for an hour meeting, uh, which I actually don't think will go away. I think it's very much part of the job. It's the travelling and yes. uh, not being based in London. I found myself travelling to London, you know, every couple of months or so, and I would go down and spend the night, do all my meetings, go to a gig and come, come back up, and that would be me for, for the next few weeks kind of thing. And But I think, yeah, there is a lot of benefits from this, and I think no artist can go back to touring and carry on from exactly where they left off, and I think that's quite quite a thing, actually. Um, I think it will be a buyer's market, and I think there'll be a lot of hungry—that's the wrong word to use—a uh, lot of enthusiastic um, artists and promoters out there that are really keen to just try something just for the sake of of, of making things happen. Um, and I also think that there'll be um, a lot of a lot of renewed appreciation, perhaps, for live music. Um, we've uh, we've all missed it hugely, and I, I just I, I I can't help but feel when when everything does open up, we're going to just have an amazing amazing time with with shows left, right, and centre, um, and full of people who genuinely want to be there and can't stand another night in front of the TV or
0: Zoom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's you know we just can't wait, can we? And it's yeah. how many of us were expecting it to be this long as well? I don't know. That's that's the other thing, isn't it? And it's that uncertainty which we're still we yeah. still have of not knowing when things can happen yeah. and I don't know in, in your conversations with promoters and venues it's just this feeling of I hope they make it and I hope they're still <laughs> I hope they're still able to be there at the end of this
1: yeah that's the sad thing we've definitely lost a few good people um but I think generally speaking uh, us in the arts are a resilient bunch and I think you know we'll move <laughs> heaven and earth to to make things happen and we'll take risks and we'll, we'll make sure that we, uh, we get through it basically. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's been very, very difficult for, for, for many of us. And um, I think if we can take something away and look at, look back and what did we learn from that? Um, I think, yeah, you know, maybe we've skipped ahead a decade in, in terms of what we've learned and that maybe not be a bad thing, you know, for, for the sacrifice of a year of touring and, mm-hmm. And things which seems like the worst thing in the world when you're in the middle of it. And it completely did. Um, but again, looking forwards, so I can't help but feel optimistic.
0: Good. Um, and as you mentioned, those live streams as an artist, like particularly at the start of the pandemic, live streaming was suddenly like this great thing. You're never going to replace the live, yeah. live experience, but it has. It's great bits about it you know the fact that anybody in the world can watch and there were people who've seen some of my live streams who've never been to a gig because i ain't never played in their part of the world so that's you know and then there's you know people who can't get out to shows or or whatever so that was great side of it and we were able to monetize it at points as well but i did wonder about booking agents and and people who were involved in the booking of live shows what the impact of that was so artists could potentially go off and look after themselves and and make a, a few coins Online, did that trickle down to booking agents?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, certainly when all this sort of came off, there was there was a bit of.
2: Uh, it, it took us a few weeks, I think, as agents to sort of find our feet, and uh, and and spot that, yeah, you know, if we don't play our cards right here, we could be we we might not have a role in these. Uh, but I think very quickly that that became not true. And I think artists also realised that, that, okay, a booking agent sets up a gig, but it's more than that. It's, it's about the relationship. And actually a good live stream needs that relationship to, to get the biggest reach. Now, any artist from their bedroom can do something on our Facebook page, but much in the same way that any artist could potentially go and hire a theatre or a concert hall, not many do. And it's partly because the promoter adds an awful lot in terms of reach, um, so I think that's where it's been really helpful having your agent involved in these live streams. Because you know we were there learning about these streams, seeing what's working, what's not, who's doing them, um, and trying to get involved and saying, "Look, th- these guys have been doing some great streaming work. Mm. They've worked with some great names. I think they'd be a good fit." You know, mm. um, so yeah, there was a bit of a weird, a weird point, definitely, but. Uh, I think we've all learnt a lot from, from this, whether it be how to get enough lighting in your room to so what your bookshelf looks like behind your, your very camera. Very strong bookshelf. Which man
0: has always been here, by the way. Yeah, very <laughs> strong bookshelf name, actually, in this call, I must say. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, it's...
0: Uh... And there's a crossover there, isn't there, with the traditional booking agent thing, and which leads into your book as well, uh, The Booking Agents Book of Secrets for Touring Musicians.
1: Ah, uh, thank you for the plug. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I... Um... I, I i found myself very frustrated i think it was the second week of april last year and <laughs> i was just undoing work all the time you know that's that was yeah. all my day was it was just yeah I'm, I'm just ringing someone up and we don't even have to say anything by that point it was just like yeah okay let's move it you know um and it was just really really frustrating and getting me down so i just thought i need to make something oh great um, and i've always thought about making writing a book and you know, it was all up in my head anyway, and I just sort of hammered it out, really. And actually, it's been quite uh, a nice trickle of income coming through in these in these dry months.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. So without ruining the book, what are some of those secrets that an artist who's booking their own shows might not realise that a booking agent could could help them with?
1: Well, I think my, my, um, my whole idea was to try and get inside the mind of an agent and what am I looking for in artists and mm. how where do I see so many artists going wrong and wasting time? And I thought if I could just offer a bit of honest, brutally honest insights about, you know, what, what I think when someone emails me and, you know, what do I perceive to be their profile level and what are they doing wrong? And and just a few little insider tips, really. Um, and actually most of it probably is very just common sense. But I think in the context of of, of booking shows and everything, they're probably um, n- n- often forgotten. Um, just, just I, I can't even think of anything massively. Um, it, it, there's, there's just a lot in there. I think that that is just things that, to me, are just a given, and that's just you know natural. That's just, surely that's what you do. But in the conversations I was having with artists, mm. it was clear that oh right, you've not thought about that, or oh you're not doing that. Okay, okay, right. Um, so, yeah, it's just me just trying to just enlist a bit of my insight, really, and, uh, and just trying. I think if everyone understands what agents are thinking, uh, they stand a lot better chance of, of, of getting signed
0: by one. I'm sorry to interrupt the conversation at this point, but I wondered if I could ask if you might possibly consider subscribing to the podcast, rating it and writing a review on your favorite podcast provider. Doing these wonderful things encourages the all powerful algorithms to push the podcast to new people. It's also helpful when I'm talking to potential future guests as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. Great. Okay, so to talk about publishing then and first original music, I think it would be helpful possibly for people listening in if we just discussed or or outlined what a music publisher is and what they do and and why an artist or a songwriter might benefit from a relationship with the publisher.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... um... Basically, yeah, a publisher is is very much behind the scenes in the industry, but at the same time, it's one of the most important roles in the industry. Um, you know, from a, an agent's perspective, I'm all about the live the live show. But with the, my publisher hat on, the live show wouldn't be there if it wasn't for these great songs that kept bringing people back time and time again. You know, you hear a great song and you you stop what you're doing and you have to hear that song again. And there's nothing quite like that feeling. Um, and I think there's so many so many great songs out there that that have just been released and they've just sort of drifted off into you know they've they've been forgotten about and or you just think if only someone had had heard that song and covered it or if only someone had thought to put that song in that film it would have been perfect and and the artist would still be here and and I think there's so much untapped potential in the in the power of of, of song Uh, and that's a publisher's job really it's on the sort of. Admi- I mean, the, the, the main things are it's it's protecting the, the copyrights of songs. Mm-hmm. It's administering all the data and and the flows of the royalties. It's collecting royalties on behalf of the artists, and it's what we call exploiting the works. Um, so, it's you know that I said so the administrative duties are making sure the the data in the performing rights societies are all watertight, and making sure you're chasing money where you think it's due, uh, and accounting that back to the artists. And then the more sort of exciting side, the creative side, if you will, is actually trying to plug those songs to people, and it's trying to pitch them for the next Netflix film, or it's trying to get Celine Dion to cover it, or or it's just always thinking creatively about how can we take this great song and inject a bit more value in it, uh, so that more people can hear the song, the artist can get a bigger profile, mm. and there'll be a, a healthy royalty generated from that. Um, and I think a song it's a piece of music, it's an asset. Um, and I think a lot of artists don't really see it like that. And I think if, if you if you've got the right team behind you and everything else is there, you the publishing is so important because that is the thing that's going to keep you going. Um, you know, publishers I mean publishers we've all suffered through the pandemic, but but publishers are are still earning money for their artists from radio, from I say Spotify and Stream Services with a Raised Eyebrow, uh, but from, from syncs and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's it's ironic there's never been a greater need for music during this time, um, and I think, yeah, artists should be looking at the value that that song there could be paying my pension in in 50 years' time if, uh, if only the right people were behind it trying to get some value from
0: it. And you mentioned there that um, TV and film and all those things – there's ever more of that at the moment, isn't there? Because there's so many platforms. Yeah. And that's, I guess, what you mean. It's People talk a lot about Spotify and the streaming services, which have their issues that we're, I guess, well, I was going to say we're all aware of. I assume most people listening would know that the remuneration, certainly for artists, perhaps on the level that we're talking about, is not massive from the streaming. Um, we'll leave that there, I guess. Um, those are <laughs> things that, are, that may potentially change, we hope. But the other avenues, so there's so much film and TV and gaming that's going on at the moment. And so much radio as well actually, whether it's national uh sort of BBC or whatever, or commercial, or yep. all those little independent yep. radio stations that can exist and, and spring up and the technology is allowing this stuff to happen. And those are the sort of avenues and the relationships, I guess, that you're talking about, which perhaps an artist just isn't either aware of or just doesn't know how to tap into.
1: That's it completely it's 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 all the small details that collectively mount up to um a bigger thing and whether that bigger thing is in terms of profile for the artist or whether it's in in monetary value Um, so it's it's chasing the pennies to make up the pounds it's it's creating a long-lasting uh return on 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 your profile but also in terms of your royalty
0: Mm. and i guess it's similar how you mentioned with the booking agency when you are approached by an artist. Is that the way that you envisage the publishing company to go? You're you're exp- you're hoping that someone's going to get in touch and say, "I have these great songs," or "I have this lovely song," and you'll go, "Yep, that's great. I can do something with that." Or is it more a matter of you're just aware of what's happening and you approach people?
1: Um, I think it'll be a bit of both. Um, I, I wouldn't be so arrogant that I know everything out there already that should be good enough, and I'm I'm, I'm I will always talk to people that approach me, and I think if, if someone's approach me in the right way in a you know a, a considered way um yeah they they should certainly get a, a consideration um but I think at the same time I'm also looking in terms of um you know what what could I bring to the table I think publishing is, an, is, is a, it's a really important thing and it's quite a scary contract in many ways uh, and it's something that shouldn't be given away lightly you know publishers have a bit of a bad rep for mm. back in the dark ages of the music industry where artists would, would be hoodwinked into signing away their, their rights to their songs for their lifetime of copyright. And that's terrifying, you know. Um, and I think uh, it's about the fit. and It's about it's feeling right. And if, if both parties can work as a team to to get the best, I think that's a good relationship. Um, and I think it's it shouldn't be seen as us and them. It should be seen as a, a collaborative effort. You know, you've got someone producing great, great songs and you've got someone behind the scenes working these songs uh, and together, that's a really strong team.
0: Do you envisage then having writers who are writing to to breathe, perhaps for sinks, or is it a matter of this is what the writer brings, and you go and find the best opportunity for that?
1: i I'm honestly not sure. I think in the first instance, my gut feeling is that i I don't want people to change what they do. Mm-hmm. You know I think I think artists should write what they believe in and and write what's important to them. And I think as soon as you start saying, write me a song about this or write me a song about that or write something that fits with this, mm-hmm. you're then losing the disconnect, which creates a good song. And it's that, that personal experience or that personal insight that only that person can give, um, which I think you sometimes lose. So I, I don't know at this point. So my, my gut instinct is that I probably won't go down that route. Um, but but who knows if a situation presented itself and everything looks right and it was, it was the right thing to do for the artist, um, maybe.
0: Great. And then could you sort of, maybe you can't, but could you maybe give us an idea of some of the people that you're working with or are planning to work with? I know it's quite early days, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's quite early days. I, I, I probably wouldn't disclose that at the moment, but it, it's just, it's it's artists uh, not not kicking off their career, but they're certainly on the way up um, and, you know, as a, an independent publisher, it's it's a long journey. It's not something that uh, you can sort of grow to be one of the one of the big boys, as it were, in in a short space of time. Um, and there are big companies like Centric, like Songtrust out there that you can just sign up to, and they'll take on anyone, and mm-hmm. they can just administer your whole catalogue. But I think my USP in this is that I do have the experience uh, in other areas of the business, um, and even though I'm, I'm keen to keep the lines quite separate, in some ways, as a publisher, it's in my interests to to have the, the writers that I work with achieving the best they can. So, if I could offer advice in any other areas, such as life or or any other areas that that they might be not so genned up about, uh, I can help them. And I think that's that's a bit of a personal touch, and I quite like that model um, of uh, you know. The success in this industry is, is built around relationships and teams, and I think sometimes the right people can be more, uh, more of more value um, than just just going with all the big companies.
0: Yes, it's a kind of alchemy, isn't it? Is it? just so many things, like forming mm. bands with people. It mm. it might be that the the greatest drummer in your town. Might not be the best fit for your band because you can't stand yeah. the way he eats breakfast. But, the, but you know, I mean, there's something else in, <laughs> in all these relationships that goes down to that sort of unidentifiable element. Um, and from an artist's point of view, when you're looking to work with with people in the big bad industry or even, you know, booking shows with promoters, the best is always when it's somebody who's interested in it <laughs> and is interested in you as an artist and is going to I take this long you well. as, as independent artists or however we describe artists on that kind of level, it's a long game, isn't it? And if you're looking to build a, a long career, then those relationships are really important. And as I think you've alluded to, it's not necessarily something that's going to bear fantastically ripe fruit on the first go. It's a matter of persistent work. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is, and um, I think it's very important to to uh, set those expectations because
2: mm.
1: I think a lot of people have uh, a somewhat flawed, in my opinion, version of what a publisher is. And it's okay, yeah, we'll sign with the publisher because they're going to get our all our songs in all these TV programs, um, and that's not the primary role of a publisher. That's that's like a, an extra service, as it were. And that's that's what that's the dream. That's what we're all hoping for, of course. But much in the same way that all my artists want to apply the pyramid stage at Glastonbury, it's like I can make the call, but it's not me making the call that will get you that gig. It's everything else going on around you as an artist that will do that. Um and and it's the same, it's the same in all these areas. Um it, it's everything going on. Uh, okay, we can facilitate the call, but if it's not of value to the person you're selling it to, um it doesn't matter who's calling, you know.
0: Okay, uh, in a similar way that you've mentioned with the book, then for the for the booking agent side of things, when you're sort of imagining what you what you want to see in an artist when they get in touch with you, yeah, yeah. what is the ideal songwriter? Where are they in that, f- that for you to work with? Where are they in their career? What's their ambitions and their attitude, and how would they approach you?
1: Yeah, so I think I, I've always got my ear to the ground. You know, I'm 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 always looking for for new artists and and new writers uh, and I think I, I I like to discover things myself in many ways mm. um like I said earlier I will always consider anyone that writes to me um but I think if someone keeps popping up if you can't sort of escape if you hear this song on the radio again and again or if you keep seeing them popping up on your timeline you've not liked their page or your friends are liking them mm. um I think you subconsciously get drawn into things like that and I think um if 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 all the other parts of the house are in order you know their their live show their website their their, they've obviously got a fan base i think that tells you a lot about the person as well and i think that's really important because yes you could be an amazing songwriter um but if you don't have a business drive or um there's alarm bells ringing in other areas um you don't have a website or. Uh, or even as a publisher, you know, if your songs aren't registered on PRS, maybe, or mm. I don't know, just there's, there's a myriad of sort of different criteria that I would look at to, to sort of ascertain whether the artist is, is sort of fit for a publisher in many ways, mm. uh, or whether I would be interested. Um, but I think, yeah, the big thing is, can they write a song that, that, that moves me? Um, and if, uh, if that's the case, I think it's worth, it's worth exploring.
0: It's so interesting, isn't it? I, I had a uh, a webinar recently with a quite well-known producer and the question was when someone gets in touch, you know, what are you looking for? And it's like, well, it's partly what can I bring to it? So if they send me yeah, some music yeah. which is fantastically well-produced, it's like, well, yeah. what what do you need me for? And as an artist, sometimes you can forget that element of it that if you're asking for someone's help or advice, <laughs> it, it you know, yeah. I think we all fall into the trap of thinking things need to be completely polished and finished. But if that's if you can completely polish and finish yeah. and exploit everything yourself, you can do it yourself, I guess, yeah. is the thing.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Robert, actually. Um yeah, yeah, I, I've often thought that, um, actually. Um and I think I think you've got to follow like your gut sometimes. I think you know almost straight away if, if this feels right and um you just get a feeling in in,
0: in my experience, you know. Great. Okay, Phil, thank you so much. That's all been really fascinating. If people want to keep in touch and follow developments with both the booking and the publishing, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, I mean, a quick Google search, you'll find me, I think. Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's where I spend a lot of my social media time, really. Agent Phil Simpson. Um, and uh, if, if they want the book, they can look on Amazon or Apple Books or any of... anywhere. what, what do they say? Wherever you get your books. <laughs> all um, <laughs> all the good bookshops.
0: Um, and a final thought then for the rest of 2021, as we're talking, it's the, when is it? It's the end of February. Sorry, just completely yeah. lost everything. It's the end of February. So we're, it'll be funny. Anyone listening to this in six or 12 months, but we're, we're kind of being told the way that we hope things are gonna go for the rest of the year. So on with your booking agent hat on, what's the mood music? How do we feel about shows for the rest of 2021?
1: Um, positive i think overall um they have been moving shows ever since that announcement i've been moving shows from sort of may june um interestingly there's quite a lot of festivals that were happening on the weekend just before the 21st of june okay um which they've now shifted to like a week later and i'm like "Mm, not sure about that really because things could get shifted back as we well know um, and for, for, for these people that have moved to their festivals now, sometimes twice, sometimes four times, um, I think I'd be, I'd be calling it safe in maybe July or August. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think outdoor festivals will be fine to, to maybe 5,000 capacity, um, but I, I, I'm still slightly nervous for some of the big events
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, just because we've still got a long way to go in, in time, ahead of us uh, but I mean ultimately I'm feeling very excited and I can't wait to get through these next few months really.
0: That's it isn't it and a, a much more I think a much more positive outlook in so many ways than well certainly this time last year or yeah. sort of going into the spring. Yeah at least
1: we year. know that there is an end in sight now right?
0: Yeah I think so um, and we know the things that work as well I, I don't know if anything's been mentioned in sort of the terms of testing because obviously on my, my circuit it's a it's a smaller venue you know where if you've got if you've got capacity that might be 50 60 to 100 people in quite close like this so at this point that's a little bit hard to predict being perfectly safe but then maybe that's where the testing element of things comes in i don't know
1: it's very interesting territory at the moment because there is also a lot of talk of um the app being used to gain entry to an event if you've received the vaccine okay um uh, yeah there's some really, some really interesting conversations going on um and at the moment they're creating more questions than <laughs> than they're providing solutions to i think but um but at least we're in a position that we can we can be talking about them i think is, is yeah. a good thing
0: and things change fast as well now which is which is uh, really cool of course they do
1: yeah yeah um yeah that's it
0: okay phil thank you so much that was great
1: yeah thank you so much robert it's been really nice being here and, and keep making the music i was listening to your record um only a flight away
0: this morning, and uh, it's very nice. Oh, great. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Join us next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers podcast. Until then, please subscribe, rate, and review, and have a look at robertlanemusic.co.uk to see the other projects I'm working on. Thank you. Goodbye.